Laura Fraser, the co-founder of Fraser Tremble. She started the business over three years ago in the heights of COVID with her husband from their kitchen dining room table. In three short years, she's built a business that's going to generate $5 million in revenue this year with a team of five consultants. Here's how she did it. This is what you're going to learn in this week's episode. The power of having processes and systems. How and why you should obsess over customer experience. How to win large hiring projects and consistently win exclusive agreements. A breakdown step-by-step of Laura's business development process that's going to generate her 800k in billings this year. Plus so, so much more. Let's get into this week's episode. Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Joining me from Melbourne, 7pm. <laughs> so we are squeezing out the last bit of energy and juice from Laura after having a, a busy day in, in recruitment, I'm sure. Don't you worry. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about, although it's your third full financial year, as you're telling me in terms of how the Australian financial years work, but obviously on LinkedIn, coming up to like four years of being on this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how it's been. (laughs) You started this business with your husband, which I always find interesting. Started it in the midst of COVID. Like, I think uh, there's a lot of stories out there like that. (laughs) Yeah. And you've been on a a really interesting journey. And I really think the way that you have thought about approaching your recruitment business, the systems and processes that you've implemented, I think a lot of people are going to Uh, learn from today. But just to give everyone listening some immediate context, the uh, Fraser Tremble highlight reel. (laughs) So if I get any of this wrong, obviously let me know. So today we're talking in Australian dollars. Yes. But first full financial year, you ended the year doing $500k revenue. Second year, 2.8 million with a million GP margin. And that was around 80% perm, 20% contract. And then obviously looking to finish the third financial year strong obviously still got a few months left but on track to do five million in revenue and there's five 360 recruiters in the business one resourcer you've got a marketing manager and you've also got an ea as well and you're yourself on track to do 800k dollars which is predominantly perm although historically you've also done a dual desk nailed it so i've just i've just summed (laughs) up all of your hard work in like 30 seconds beautifully done thank you (laughs) So I wanted to get straight into it. And where I wanted to start is something that you shared with me that you're sort of known for or like your unique advantages. So something that you shared with me when we prepared for this is you like to sweat the small stuff. (laughs) Yes. So where I wanted to start was you're big into processes and that goes hand in hand with sweating the small stuff. So why don't we start here? What's something that this year, this third financial year, have you maybe changed or you slightly changed that you feel has had a big impact on performance? Because oftentimes when you sweat the small stuff, you don't make huge drastic changes. It's maybe slight tweaks or slight changes that you feel could have 
the biggest impact. What does that look like for you this year? What have been some of the, the small things that you've sweated that have generated some really positive impact? I think if you ask my team, I probably sweat all of the small stuff, but in the best possible way. This year for us, we invested heavily in our digital marketing capability and a lot of the content that we're producing. So whether that be white papers, blog content, doing webinars, podcasts, anything where we could elevate the value add back to our clients. We've also implemented new thought leadership groups. So a big focus for me is customer experience and design. So we hold CX collabs so we can continually add value back to the communities that obviously we recruit in, in a non, non-transactional, non-sales way to really help elevate that further. Um, in terms of processes, trying to think of all of the small little things that we've done. Um, we have a consulting arm and I'm very fortunate my business partner and husband is a customer experience and process improvement specialist. So we mapped all of our processes, whether it be our how to onboard a new employee, how to screen a candidate, the whole journey of going from screening to placement, our client engagement, actually our customer journey in terms of how do we even win business? What does that look like? And then at every single touch point of those and every time we interacted, what value add are we adding? What additional content can we add? What are we trying to achieve to move them through that funnel and move them further down that process? And little things that we can optimize along the way, whether that be the actual comms that we're sending, whether that be even in our interview and screening, getting really, really deep with our candidates, building really genuine relationships with them as best one possibly can. Everything along the way when it comes to anything to do with the journeys. (laughs) to an inch of its life. Okay, well, why didn't I ask you this then? Like, why is that? Obviously, you've your husband maybe doesn't shut up about it, maybe, but, and it's his world. Oh, it's more and, me, actually, I think. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but like, why do you do that? Why have you done that? Why has that been your approach? Yeah, I think for us, and it was one of the reasons why we launched Fraser Tremble to start with, you know, I've been very fortunate to work with amazing brands in the past, but we really wanted to elevate the experience from the recruitment standpoint, you know, the experience that candidates get and the experience that our clients get. So Brennan and I coming together and then optimizing our processes, they're repeatable, you know, they're consistent. I'm acutely aware as a managing director and still a billing consultant that I cannot be all things to all people as much as I am sometimes and like to be as best I possibly can. So we really needed to be able to have consistent processes, consistent standards, so that it didn't matter what client dealt with one of the consultants, what candidate dealt with it, the experience was the same and it was elevated beyond what they were used to with other recruitment firms potentially as well. And that's kind of been our differentiator in the market. So that's why it's exceptionally important. And how, because I I think this is something that is often overlooked, particularly Mm. in smaller grown recruitment companies. So I do really think this is a smart way to go. I think what I've often found myself saying to recruitment founders that want to go from five heads to 10 to 15 to 20 is that you need systems and processes of a 20 person company before you're there. Correct. So how have you, I know when we prepared for this, you said you have like a 200 page document for the whole life cycle. How do you understand that it needs to be repeatable? How you do things isn't in Laura's head. There's somewhere that your team can go and maybe, yeah, reaffirm how they're meant to do things and it's something they can refer to. But so how, how do you communicate that? How is that showcased to the team? Is it, yeah, like, is it just one big document? 
can people can access? Like, how have you communicated internally your systems and processes out of interest? Yeah, no, absolutely. When we when we started, I didn't realize how much was in my head. And when you hire a rookie, because our first hire was um, a graduate, and I was just like, right, okay, great. This is going to be great. Get them on board. They're just going to watch me, and they're just going to magically pick it up. Obviously, that wasn't the case. So it was literally taking every single step of how to do a call, how to find candidates. So everything you can think about in the recruitment process, how to headhunt, how to do business development, objection handling, anything you could possibly think of. And we created training documents on everything. So yes, I think all up, if we add it together, it's probably about 200 pages. But in our SharePoint, we've got different files for different parts of the journey. So the consultants can go in and be like, right, what's the process for onboarding a new contractor? They can go in, they can see everything. They know each of the steps. It's all mapped out. My wonderful EA has also done some video training where she talks people through where to go, how to do it. Our digital marketing manager has done a great job. She does our social media training. So she'll sit down every month with the team, watch your social media content for the month, finesse it and get up. And then there's training documents on how to elevate your social media, our branding, our tone of voice, you name it. We've got a document and a training tool on it and then for me it's you know when I've got the ability to it's having individual sessions on each part of that and and some people are struggling with one area some aren't so it's just being bespoke to different consultants and tap when they need it nice so all documented at SharePoint there's some video content in there as well but you've made assets that people can easily access on SharePoint okay so if I'm listening right now and everything is in my head I've got nothing documented. I'm nowhere near a 200 page <laughs> like document. Yeah. I'm a recruitment founder. Me and you met for breakfast. I'm telling you like, yeah, it, fe- it seems pretty chaotic. I'm finding it hard to get people up to speed. I find myself repeating myself a lot. And you're saying you, you need to document your process. What's version one? What's like the first step? Because this can feel really overwhelming <laughs> for people. Where would you recommend people start as like their first step if they want to get better at having systems and processes, repeatable processes documented in in their business? Look, we, I started with post-it notes, a whiteboard. And the first thing I was teaching our grads were how to make a screening call. So I just started at the bare basics of that, how to find them, where to find them on the system, headhunting. And we just mapped all of that out with post-it notes, moved them around. If they go, yes, where do you go next? And then once we had those post-it notes I was very fortunate. Brendan was able to take a picture of that uh, and put that into a process mapping tool. But I mean, there's a lot out there. You've got Mural and Mura and stuff like that, which you, it's easy for anybody to use. You don't need to be a process improvement specialist by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes just basic post-it notes on a whiteboard or on a glass and just moving them around, taking a picture of it, and then maybe getting somebody else to, to actually design that for you so you know what your process looks like. And then it's just documenting it step by step like a like a user manual and taking mm-hmm. it one one at a time because you're not gonna like it that's oh my goodness that the training and the process mapping and all of the research that we've done that's taken us three years and we're we're still finessing it you know is there parts that we've over engineered what's working what's not you know new people come in and be like oh that's interesting have you done it this way before no we haven't actually maybe we should look at our processes and add that in that's a great idea it should be evolving to a degree but a lot of it is the same. So you're renting and repeating every single time. So we've heard the benefit of how this can help a maybe recruitment founder that's feeling a bit chaotic. They feel like a lot of their thing, the things that on how to do things is in their head. 
and like I said, they're finding themselves repeating themselves. They might be struggling to get people up to speed. I understand the benefit there, but do you think there's also a benefit for the recruiters listening to this to taking a step back and actually trying to understand how they do what they do? Like, is this something that you think, obviously you're a business owner now, but do you think going through this journey, Laura, the recruiter who's an employee would have benefited of doing a sort of exercise like this? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think I've trained myself to be quite a methodical, process-driven individual. I'm creative by nature. I've got dyslexia. So it, I, I think differently anyway at the best of times, but in certain things, it's easy for it to go off on a tangent. So I've trained myself just to be really methodical and process-driven. But for all recruiters, like we haven't revolutionized recruitment. Recruitment is a process. Sure, it's a bit of science and a bit of art along the way and a good chunk of luck sometimes too, but it's a process. You know, and once you nail that process, it becomes second nature. And then you can work on the finer arts of interviewing and excelling at sales and different techniques and all that sort of stuff. But the basics of recruitment is simply a process. Yeah, and I think... What I also really like about having this approach is, I don't know if you found this throughout your career or even with some of your uh, team, but when things aren't working in recruitment and you're maybe not having some of that luck, you're doing the same things that have often given you the outcomes that you wanted. But having a, a process and a way of doing things, it then enables you to have a better understanding of diagnosing what is working and what yeah. isn't. Um, which is what I also like about it as well. Like if you have a way of doing things and you've documented that and you've got the how written down, then you can start tampering with that to try and see if that way is no longer working, right? Whereas if you haven't got anything documented, you haven't got a process, you're sort of shooting in the dark really. And you yeah. can find yourself just changing a whole bunch of things, but actually it was only how you maybe qualified a candidate that slightly needed to change or the job briefing call, maybe you needed to ask a couple of extra questions, which resulted in less dropouts and uh, working on uh, unfillable jobs. So I think that's also the benefit. It makes improving and understanding what you need to change more easier. Absolutely. And being able to diagnose yourself to a point then where it's not you don't need me to coach you going, okay, what, what could we have done differently in that situation? What part of the process could we have optimized? The consultants will naturally start going, yeah, okay, I could have done this, this, and this. And they know what part of the process. It's just like KPIs, which I know can be a dirty word to some, but the data will tell you a story. It doesn't tell you the full story, just like a good process will tell you the story, but doesn't tell you the full story. But it's a baseline that you can go back to to be like, cool, what did I miss? Mm. So, Laura, I'm absolutely going to have to get you to share with us some of your processes because that, that's what people are going to want to learn from and are going to be interested in. But before I do, what's been like the outcome, the results of being so obsessed with customer experience? <laughs> I mean, you've you've got on your LinkedIn things like this is what I feel like is the outcome. But let, let's talk about it. You've got stats on there like. 97.6 fill rate on your exclusive roles, 100% fill rate on your retained roles. By having this obsession with process, customer experience, what is then the net positive? Is it that your recruiters are more effective? Is it that actually you get more repeat business? What have you found to be the actual outcome of being so obsessed with it? Whilst we take a short break, I wanted to take a moment to chat to you about one of our amazing partners, Sourcewell, the industry-leading recruitment engagement platform. I'm a user myself, and I don't know what I would do without it. From building personalised messaging cadences across a variety of channels 
to automating follow-ups and data tracking straight back into my CRM. It's really made an impact in streamlining my workflow and most importantly, accelerating my sales results. My favorite feature by far is the live feed. By being able to see in real time who's engaging with your campaigns, it enables me to prioritize my outreach with the most engaged prospects, which helps me get way more out of what I put in. So I'm gonna be honest, if you haven't got SourceWell and you're a recruiter, I really believe you're at a disadvantage. To find out more and see the platform in action, make sure you click the link in the show notes and mention the Recruitment Mentors podcast. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get access to an exclusive offer. Free 50 phone credits, 50 email credits, which is at the value of circa £500 per user. So make sure you mention the Recruitment Mentors podcast and click the link in the show notes. So many, you know, one of the reasons launching FT was that we wanted to work where possible exclusively with businesses, not for all of the roles, but in our niche area. So it was role by role. And with that, we work like 80% of what we do is exclusive or retained. And with that, it means that we can offer a higher level of service too. And that's where we use our cool video tech. That's where we do our sophisticated market mapping, headhunting, personalized videos, email outreach, digital marketing, all the other great stuff that we do because we're working exclusively or retained. And the results that we've got is, yeah, our retained work, we've got 100% fill rate. Across the team for exclusive, we're actually, this quarter alone, we're actually sitting at 100%. There's always going to be error, <laughs> but at the minute it's it's 100% because because we're able to spend the time and actually follow the process. We're not having to rush, you know, the old analogy, throw enough mud at a wall and hope something sticks. That's just not us. You know, when clients come to us, they can trust that we're going to deliver what they need to do. And then when candidates come to us, we can be super transparent. Who's the role? What's the client? What's the good, the bad and the ugly of that business? What the culture is like? We don't need to hide who the client is. And it just all up elevates the service for us as well. So it means that we're working less roles with less clients, but we're delivering value and we're delivering roles. And commercially, it makes sense as well. You know, I think it's what the average in recruitment is filling what one in three roles. Sometimes it can be as bad as one in five. And that's just not it's just not who we are. So end result is you spend more time working on jobs that you actually get paid for. Pretty much. I've interviewed other people that are really obsessed with with customer experience. How is this also manifested in referrals? This is also something that I've often found is when you are obsessed with this and you have those types of fill rates and you deliver a great process, it means you're more likely to have people recommend your service yep. and you're also more likely to have clients spend more money with you. Has that been the case for you guys? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like a lot of the times we might be working in, say, the customer experience era, area and I've been able to penetrate that area, did great work. And they're like, actually, Laura, we've got a, you could do business transformation. We've got a business transformation and technology team. Let me make some introductions. And off the back of that one role in delivering it, we've absolutely been able to penetrate different areas of the business. A lot of like our top three clients that we work with now, we are their exclusive talent partners for all of the roles across all of our core areas. And that like, I mean, that's taken, that's taken years to build that trust. But yeah, absolutely. Because they know every time they come to FT, We'll deliver them, but we'll also give really honest feedback too. If their expectations are not in line with the market or we need to tweak things, they'll give us the time to find those people too and build build that trust. But yeah, no, absolutely. So let's dig into a process then, because I know this is what people are <laughs> going to be interested in. And I know you're not saying this is perfect. This is 
you know, the, the most up-to-date version and it might be updated, you know, as you go on this journey, you get feedback. There isn't going to be a recruiter out there listening to this that isn't going to like the idea of having a 98, 100% fill rate, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of recruiters that listen to this that are in that segment of one in five jobs, one in three jobs, one in four jobs they work that they get paid on. Yeah. So I'd love for us to just walk through how you're currently approaching, particularly like the exclusive piece. Let's sort of break this down. Like, how do you think about this from a client engagement standpoint? Let's start there. Like, where does this process start? Are we actively approaching companies with a marketable, placeable candidate? Are we specifically approaching companies that we've done really good work with their competitors and we leverage that? Are we approaching companies that you've been tracking and seen that they've got live vacancies and it's been live for a couple of weeks so you might uh, there might be some pain and challenges there which you leverage like where I know it like varies but where does this client client engagement piece start in your process yeah well I think all of those things in small doses in in some ways but we we mapped what our customer journey is right from the awareness of actually looking for a recruitment firm so obviously our digital marketing plays a big part of that to that first coffee catch up, what does that look like? To how do we move them from a coffee catch up to doing a proposal? How do we move them from being a proposal to signed terms of business? How do we get them from signed terms of business to actually engaging and delivering the role and then to becoming an advocate and circling back from that? So we we mapped all of that out. We then started to create well, what content do we need to be giving them at each part of that past the point of our social media, past the point of webinars and all the other stuff that we do for that top of funnel brand awareness? And then it's when it comes to the client engagement, it would be capability documents. We do, well, we started to do a lot more case studies. What does that look like? What were our clients' problems? What were similar businesses these other businesses work in that we can equally solve? Creating those case studies we did a lot of video testimonials as well. So help with our social proof. The team also, we do Sourcer. So you, I don't know if you have that in the UK just yet, but uh, I think they're expanding. Um, about getting the testimonials and the independent feedback and using that as social proof the whole way through our sales process. But predominantly playing the long game. You know, like you can do your job specking, you can do your candidate specking and all the other sort of stuff. But we wanted to get businesses before they needed to hire. And in my experience, that's where we've had, like all of our, like our top three clients have all been long-term plays that I've just kept chipping away at each month, each year to finally we get them. And then now that we do, we're working with them exclusively pretty much for all of their roles in our core, core area of IT and business transformation and CX. But other things, you know, along that journey, I'm trying to think of other things that I could share as well. Let's do it this way. That's really helpful. So <laughs> really interesting that you say three of your biggest spenders, like you said, you chipped away at them and it wasn't an immediate like thing that you started working with them, right? So why don't I ask you this? What makes a good coffee catch up? Like that's interesting that you, that's like your first step. So because that, that sort of tells me that that's yeah like a long-term play or you're not going straight in trying to sell your services which a lot of people do you're not trying to go straight in with selling a candidate or whatever yeah what does this coffee catch-up look like what's the purpose from your side are you simply looking to make a connection are you trying to educate them are you trying to give them insights on the market why would a prospect have a coffee catch-up with 
a recruiter? Like, how is that framed? Why is that the first step? And what does a good coffee catch up look like? <laughs> We're very particular about our coffee here in Melbourne. So uh, <laughs> it, it all starts with a good coffee shop. And But no, it's identifying who are ICPs or our ideal customer personas. And for us here at FT, it's a company that's going through transformational growth or they're looking to internally transform their technology people or processes. So that's kind of the core. Outside of that, we're pretty sector agnostic. And um, so once we identify businesses that are going through some level of transformational growth or merger and acquisition, those projects that are happening in the industry, it's researching who do I know within the business? You know, I've been connected in the industry for a decade. So more often than not, I'll know somebody that I can leverage from. But for those who are starting from scratch, you don't have that to go in with. So I think it's just being really smart about the research that you do. What can you find out on the person individually? How can you personalize that to actually grab their attention enough to be like, oh, that's interesting that you know that. Little things and picking them up. But that coffee catch up, it's really ability for them to be talking. They should be talking. Like 80% of what you should be just being silent to a degree. Even very rarely in those first catch-ups, am I even talking about recruitment? To be quite frank, I am so incredibly fascinated and curious even 10 years on about what's going on in these businesses. What's the tech stack? What's the complexities? What's the leadership going through? I heard there was a new target operating model. What happened there? What consulting firms are in? What's your pain points generally about what they actually do rather than the people, you know? So the more I can really uncover the really true pain points, nine, nine out of 10 times, it's not, it's not people, that's the solution. So I think I just focus really, really hard on the challenges that they're going through and then slowly chip away and be like, cool, what's the plans for the future? Where the talent gaps are? How do you assess your talent? What tech tests do you do? Or whatever it might be, depending on who you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And then be like a couple of weeks later, oh, I seen this and thought of you, you know, and we've got quite the library of giving away our secrets here, but we've got a library of whole load of white papers specific to that industry or specific to that challenge or here's interview guides that we've produced or whatever it might be and at the right point going hey I think you mentioned x y and z I think this piece this might be really helpful let me know your thoughts so it sounds basic but it's and doing that consistently as well no I think the thing to underline here is like you said you go into these meetings really like with a curious mindset yeah and like you said, I really like the way that you said that the people were often the solution. So going into these meetings, really trying to learn about their business, like the overall issues they're having, where they're going, where they're at, like, you know, really getting a, a holistic view of the actual business. Yeah. And why this is so impactful is because then obviously you have really valuable information that can help you then come up with or talk to these people about solutions at the appropriate time or yeah. have a better understanding of what if you were to work together like like what problems would our partnership need to solve yeah. rather than talking about the live vacancies they have and the skill sets they they require. I think that that's the thing to take away here that recruiters listening really need to lean into because if you have more of those commercial conversations, you're going to then be able to be able to actually offer solutions. And it is, I know you said it's simple, but a lot of people won't be doing that or having that approach. So you almost also uh, like stand out as well. Let me ask you this then. I know we're going granular here, but... <laughs> 
So you obviously have your ICP, obviously, because like your process, why would you not? So you explain that really well. Doesn't everybody? (laughs) So let let me ask you this. So our mindset is let's learn about the business. Let's learn about this individual. Let's be curious. Let's ask smart questions, et cetera, et cetera. When you're sitting there and you're starting to hear information that's making you feel like this could be in the long term an exciting opportunity like this is a business that is really going in the direction that i feel we've got a good track record in is a company we might be able to help in in several ways what are some of the the trigger points or some of the the information that you hear that makes you go guys i've just met a business (laughs) that could be our next biggest client you know what are some of the important bits of information that you found to be like good trigger points that could mean in the long term they could be a great client yeah well a couple of other things as well i think a lot of recruiters can sometimes go for the big brands and everybody is of course looking at the the enterprise we've sort of targeted so we work with enterprise too but the bulk of our clients are those mid-sized companies that probably not a lot of people have heard of and that don't have that brand clout in the market to potentially grab top talent by themselves so that's kind of the first point of contact but in the actual meetings themselves i'm listening out for legacy system upgrades merger and acquisitions they've just bought another business they've got (laughs) you've got duplications of systems their processes aren't optimized that's obviously music to my ears you know given i'm very passionate about process improvement recruit a lot in the lean six sigma space so that's obviously a big thing that pops up investment in cybersecurity. their infrastructure needs to be upgraded they've got um, a new change management piece that needs to be rolled out merger and acquisition as well divestments you know they're trying to move away or sell a part of their business they've just won a piece bigger work we work with local government as well so if they might got investment or a grant of some nature um god there's so many no yeah that's that's really helpful <laughs> like, so much different trigger points but you should be giving two bits of advice to a potential hiring manager but also you should be getting two bits of insights whatever those two bits of insights that are relevant to your market you should always be coming away from a client meeting having given two but also getting two back and that could be as simple as who the head of talent is or who the head of procurement is or somebody else that you need to ultimately get in contact with. But yeah. And I think, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I think when you have this approach, what you can then do that really does deliver value, when you're having these types of conversations and you're listening, you can then information share, right? So now if you're listening, you're asking smart questions and you're having these coffee catch-ups, you can start going, Laura, that's really interesting you say that because I spoke to this other person that's in a similar position to you that was facing the same. This is sort of how they're thinking about it. What do you think about that, right? And you can start exchanging information and insights that actually is going to make you memorable whilst also it being really helpful, right? When you're having these wider conversations. So to round this out then, if if I'm thinking about, you know what, I should be implementing more consistent coffee catch-ups and meeting with decision makers in this way. I'm hoping you have a process for this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think would be... (laughs) What would like a a good agenda look like? What would like an agenda look like for a coffee catch up that could help sort of frame some of the key topics of information or key topics that we want to cover? What's like the agenda going to look like for a coffee catch up? We'll get back to the episode in just one minute, but today I'm excited to talk to you about one of our partners, Firefish, the recruitment CRM that accelerates data-driven growth. The problem with most recruitment CRMs is that they are just a database of records meaning they become just one of the many tools that recruiters use every day. Like with all systems, the records are only as good as the data being captured. 
our sponsors, Firefish, know that for agencies to win faster, data needs to be at the heart of their business, making your CRM the single source of truth. With over 10,000 records created and updated every day and 85% replacements from existing candidates, Firefish enables recruiters to enrich and engage their data, equipping you with real-time insights needed to win faster. To learn more about Firefish and take advantage of an exclusive Recruitment Mentors podcast offer, make sure you click the link in the show notes and mention the Recruitment Mentors podcast when speaking to the Firefish team. Yeah, look, I think, you know, the old saying is people by people is I still believe rings true. So I think the first five, 10 minutes of any client meeting should absolutely be what's your kids doing? What do you do at the weekend? What do you do for fun? What foodie team, if you're in Melbourne, what foodie team do you support? I don't support any, so I'll, I'll normally just play along with that one, you know, and, and start to really get to know the person. I think that's really, really important. And the next part for us is really unpacking. We should have done, like all of the team would have done the research, you know, what the hiring's been like, what's the growth, what's the retention. So we've got insights tools that will give this information. We normally come prepared with who else we know within the business or who else we're connected, unpacking where do they sit within the org structure, getting them to tell us the story of who's who in the zoo. And then we get into more of the granular stuff, the reason why so I see that you've just superannuation is a sector for us. So I see you've just merged with A, B and C superannuation fund. Talk me through how that's going. What's the challenges there? And then they just naturally start opening up about what, what's going on and kind of lead the conversation from there. And then if it's appropriate, then obviously, you know, they've met us for a reason. Like nobody reaches out to a recruiter just to have a good old good old coffee catch up. Well, maybe some people do, but they're all pretty busy and a lot of our hiring managers are executives. So there's normally a reason. There's like, and then I'll ask them, is like, is there anything really particular that I could help add value here and now? Is there any sort of market insights because I could go off on a massive tangent on a lot of different market insights that I've got, but it might not be relevant to what they actually want. So I think I just put the question back to them. They'll tell me and then I'll, I'll add value where I possibly can. And then always doing a follow-up, you know, being like, cool, so what would be the most appropriate time to follow up with you? You said, actually, you're going to be hiring in a couple of weeks. Who else should I be speaking to to preempt that being triggered? And what do you need from me to be able to do that? And then just setting a really clear follow-up, what to expect. And we've got a rule every time you meet a client, you always send a follow-up email that day. You know, so it's like when I was talking about our processes, we also map the emotional journey as well. Because <laughs> of course, why wouldn't you? And you want to, if you want to get the best possible outcome, same with your candidates in terms of feedback, you want to get them at the high emotional peak to get any of the good information that you actually need. It's the same with your clients, you know, and you're building that reputation. So when they, you've met them and they're getting an email that day, you're doing what you said you were going to do and you're added some additional value insight into that email as well. They're going, oh, hmm, these guys are different. And then it's a comment on LinkedIn and then it's a follow-up in some other way that's non-salesy. So you're front of mind. Like, let's just say we had a coffee catch up. We got some really important information. We did the follow-up on the day. You're then adding value in, in the different ways that you do. You've agreed to have another conversation and set time period. And this is where then there's an opportunity to talk about how your business could support theirs with, with the needs and the issues that they have. You mentioned proposal, which I find interesting. That isn't like a fairly common terminology when it comes to winning business, winning jobs, right? Is proposal. It's more of trying to close and get terms agreed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So 
Would you mind sharing us a bit about, because this is what makes you guys unique, which I think, you know, for any recruiter listening to this, these are some of the advantages that you can get by joining a business that takes these things seriously is having a process, which means you're going to have a higher chance of being successful, right? And you're not just having to figure this all out on the job. So talk us through that context. So we're at a proposal meeting that might not be what it's called externally, but internally it's a proposal meeting. Talk us through how we frame the exclusive agreement and, and how that works. Yeah, well, we've got, I'm sure this language is universal, but we've got what we call, so you've got your capability document, which is like a one pager, like this is what we do on a 10. But when we're doing actual presentations, we've got a really condensed pitch deck that we talk them through. Of course, that could be bespoke depending on if we know the inner workings of what they're trying to pitch to us and what we're trying to win the work for. And we did one recently, so it was for a team of, to build a team of 10 they were moving to a different tech stack from on-prem to cloud. So we were quite specific in that. But within that pitch deck that we then follow up with a proposal is all of the social proof that we've got. So we take them through the journey of, by the end of it, it's like, why wouldn't we want to work with these guys exclusively? Let's go through the pitch deck then, because yeah. I'm assuming in terms of like the, the emotional journey of that or how you structure that, because I'm assuming, is that where you frame, this is how we recommend we work together and then so talk us through that so i think because i think that would be interesting for people so what does that look like are you starting with because i have the same process so i start with this is what we've learned so far if we were to work with each other this is sort of what the future state would look like in terms of the goals that uh, we would achieve laura have i listened correctly here are we on the same page am i missing anything drastically important here what else would you add to this then it would then go into obviously for me it would then go into the actual solution which would be different for you but talk us through that sort of pitch deck journey because i'm sure yeah. again you've been very intentional <laughs> about how you structured that yeah. We normally, like, let's say we know the client, let's just assume that we know the client and it's for a specific piece of work that we're pitching. We'll definitely tell the founder story, you know, how we've been in the industry as long as we have, but we launched in COVID, kind of tell a bit of a funny story and sort of build that sort of picture and how we've been successful only four years later. We'll talk about all the brands. We've got a lot of so- social proof now. We've got over 50 clients. So we'll be bespoke about the clients that we highlight based on who we're speaking to and really highlight them. Then we'll go into case studies. So specific ones that we know they're going to resonate with that particular client. And it's all about the facts and figures. Clients, they don't want the fluff. (laughs) Just tell them exactly what the problem was, what your time to fill was, what the challenges were that you overcome. No process is perfect. So don't be afraid to say what the challenges were and how you creatively overcome them. So we do the case studies in that part of the proposal. And then we actually talk them through how rigorous our processes are. For those that care, we're nine ISO certified 9001. Anybody in procurement loves hearing this stuff. So we make sure we let them know that. And then we're going through our actual, what we call our future fit method. So that's our six steps that we've narrowed down our process. And we talk them through each of those six steps and what they can expect. Some of the things that would be in there would be our focus on diversity and inclusion and how we optimize that and how we try to remove unconscious bias from our recruitment processes so they're ultimately getting a more diverse shortlist. We'll talk them through some of the cool video tech that we do that we use to headhunt candidates and what our reply rates are. We'll talk around our social proof and what our reach is in social media. So we'll talk them through all of this and then we'll talk them through their business challenges and how they actually complement each other. And it kind of rounds it out to be like, cool, you're kind of getting them up. And then you give them two options. So when it comes to 
fees, only ever two options. And basically the best option is always the exclusive one. And by that stage, there would be no other reason to work with us exclusively unless it was purely cost. And if it's purely cost, that's okay too. And we've got an option for that. Just we wouldn't utilize our future fit method to do it. Yeah. So the two options retained and exclusive, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then how do you frame the exclusivity piece? Is it, are you discounting on the fee for us working together for this set period and you can't work with anyone else? How do you like frame that? Yeah, we normally ask for exclusivity for four weeks, which is actually probably less than a lot of other businesses. And again, it's it's about picking the clients you know you're going to be able to partner with and that are invested actually in having a talent partner. So again, you just have to be really particular about who you want to work with and the reasons mm. why and making sure it's a good partnership from the outset. But we're, we're competitive with that because we'll never take on work we know we can't fill, put it that way. Mm. If, if that was the case, we'd do it contingently or, you know, it's, it's just not, not the way we'd operate. And then have you found from a business owner perspective, by having this approach, by having these supporting assets that your team, your less experienced team that are starting to do more of the process are more confident or have more confidence more quickly? Because you've you've got, if I think of my first like BD calls and negotiating and stuff, it's just me on the phone talking about, <laughs> I've got this candidate, we've worked with this company. And like, you almost have to get them just to believe in like, like how you're coming across and like they have to buy into you and believe, no, yeah, I feel like Laura can help me with this. Like she's saying she can help me with this. But this is what I love about this is like how much more confident you can be. You've literally got like visual assets that's telling the story that you can talk through and, you know, if we were to work together, this is what happens. This is what we do. And because you've got this all documented, I just feel like that massively helps people just get better more quickly at winning great clients that you can do great work with like have you found that since taking these people on this journey with you that have become 360 consultants look i'm sure some of my junior team members will still tell you they're absolutely heart scared of picking up the phone or reaching out and doing bd i think everybody has those nervousness but it provides them with the confidence that there's a lot of information that they can use and it's readily available you know and then and they know what it is and they feel confident going out to a meeting because They've done the prep. They've used the template. They've filled in what they need to do. And more often than not, they're still coming with me or one of the other senior consultants, you know, but you'll, you'll hear them doing the USPs and you'll be like, well done. I like that. <laughs> um, and it's the same with our candidates too. We have, you know, USPs for why candidates should work with us. And we have USPs of why clients should work with us. And I'll occasionally drop it in the middle and be like, tell me the three USPs for why, <laughs> why candidates should use F2. What's three USPs for our clients? What, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, cool, you got it. Thank you. And they're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's just reinforcing it. So it becomes natural and you, the more natural it becomes, the more confident you become in saying it and believing it because it's true. You know, we're not telling anybody anything that's not tried, proved and tested. So yeah, so there's integrity with that as well. It's not, it's not smoke and mirrors. And then just two things then on this, have you found again, I know this might be, a, this has been a bit of a journey where you're building a track record, these types of things, but it's really interesting that the example that you shared when we're speaking about this is around building a team of 10. So my question is, have you found by having this process, by being smart from the coffee meetings, playing the long game, finding out about their business, then we're talking about you know, our process, our future fit model, which I, I really, I think that's named really well. I really like that. <laughs> that makes me intrigued straight away. But 
Like, have you found that this has enabled you to win, like not one ones and twos? Like, it's like if you do win business and you've that you've taken them through this process, has it meant that yeah, that it's been more like hiring projects and like higher value business compared to guys? I've got a job. I'm going to work on this one job and fill it. Do you get what I mean? Is that true or? Yeah. Look, I mean, when we first started, of course, all business was spot business. You were getting one role, and you're like, happy days, and then you leverage from it. But look, nearly four years on. Absolutely. I'd say half of the clients that we work with are multiple roles. And when I say multiple roles, we're talking 5, 10, 15, 20. Sometimes some of our biggest clients are 25, 30 a year. And they're basically working with us absolutely exclusively. You know, and that's still on us to deliver. We never, and that's the other thing, like we never get up to our own hype. Are we doing a fantastic job? Yes, I like to think so. Do we get it right all the time? No, but we constantly have to keep proving ourselves and constantly being humble with that. Um, and how can we do better, you know? And then yeah. being kind to yourself when you don't do it well, because like we all fail. We're either winning or learning, I say. So one Yeah, of I love two. that. <laughs> okay, cool. That's great. And then the second thing, I'm going to be direct here, but it's only because you shared it. So <laughs> <Go for> it. <laughs> you said about the free USPs. So the reason why that intrigued me is if we were to line up 50 recruiters right now in 50 different agencies and you said, Laura, give me the three USPs of a candidate or client of working with your business. How many people do we think could execute that? Not sure. From my team or from like... No, no, no. I'm I'm saying the reason why it intrigued me is because if we were to do that with like 50 different agencies, I I don't think many could just hit you with like their USPs, right? Because again... Do you think they'd know them? No, I don't don't think they would. Like the percentage wise, yeah, I'd be surprised if it'd be 50%, being honest with you. Mm. And this is what I wanted to ask you in terms of, which is why I think that's great that you, again, process, right? But is a USP, you know, if if you're happy to share your USPs and then do, but my straight away is like, typically I think what you would hear, I don't know if you agree with this, would be I'm a specialist and we only work with like so-and-so and we're a niche and, and they're the typical things that people go to. But like, how do you frame the USPs? Is it around like the market and the discipline? Is it about the case studies and we've got a track record of this? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As you know, I'm your host here, but I'm also the founder of Hector, an all-in-one training platform powered by current top performers. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their potential by providing world-class training delivered by today's top performers. If you're a growing recruitment business that wants an alternative way to upskill and develop your team that doesn't involve having to spend more time doing it yourself or putting the responsibility on your already time-poor billing managers, then you should check out Hector. After successfully implementing Hector in several recruitment companies, we've helped them reduce the time it takes for their consultants to do their first 360 deal, improve important performance metrics like job-to-fill ratios, and even increased the average billings per head by 20% for multiple recruitment teams. You can check out Hector and learn more about how we can help your business and book a call directly with me in the link in the show notes. There's multiple. It depends, I guess, who you're actually speaking to. But look, one of our USPs is our focus on diversity and inclusion. And a more diverse team actually improves the bottom line by 30%. You know, so through our network, through our the work that we do and the way we train our consultants and how we interview and how we assess candidates, they're actually getting a more diverse and inclusive group of people to their teams. One of our other USPs is the video tech that we use, which is music to a lot of executives' ears, is we use video tech that's going to save you 50% time of recruitment. And they go, oh, 
tell me more. And then I show it to them and they're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> mm, so that. I think it's just any, any of the pain points, your, your USP should be their pain points. It shouldn't be got a hundred thousand people in the database. Great. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like? No, I think, yeah, if you listen to this and yeah, Laura asks you what your free USP is and you're, you're not sure, like absolutely that's an exercise that you want to document and really think about. And then just to round this out then, I know we've literally gone on like the BD journey, haven't we? But I know I know this will be really <laughs> helpful for people. So then we've gone through all of that and then I'm assuming it's then there's like a decision to be made. Um, I don't know, you might have like a, a follow-up call or they might even, people might even decide there and then like, yep, yeah, Laura, like this, this is exactly what we need. This is the type of partner that we want to work with. And then obviously post this or post like getting the agreement signed, do we then go into like job briefing calls and we do that after this part of the process? Yeah, we do. If we're working exclusively or retain with a business, another thing that we do that our candidates love, and I'm giving away the trade secrets, is a video interview actually with the client. So just like you and I, you're interviewing me, mm. I'll actually interview the client and really get to the nuts and bolts of what makes that business tick, what makes that leader tick. So that's normally the first thing that we do to get that collateral so then our marketing team can create all of our beautiful digital job descriptions. But then, yeah, it's, go it's going into the job brief. I also try to do... as time can sometimes play a part in this is try to speak to some other people in the business that we haven't actually dealt with and do a bit of due diligence, you know, particularly if it's a new business. They, just like candidates, can tell you anything that they want to as well. So can businesses and hiring managers. So we like to do our due diligence and get a couple of different data points. So then we're going out to market. We can do it in a really authentic way and we can be really transparent with candidates about what that environment's like, what challenges mm. are going to come up against and what success looks like in that particular business. And then they go, no, that's not for me. And I'm like, brilliant, fantastic, mm. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and this is once like we've agreed to work yeah. together, I'm this assuming. Is, we've signed, sealed and delivered and we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. This is also the thing I love about this approach. Like those things that you just mentioned, you're very unlikely going to be able to do those types of things if, yeah, you've just gone in straight in with like, the candidate or you haven't taken them on this journey right so they're more invested so Correct. you can then do these types of things which then downstream from that as you just said means you can go to market more effectively yeah. and you can really deliver the message you can make people emotional about potentially working for this company so then downstream from that yeah obviously of course they're going to be hard searches and it's difficult yeah. but you give yourself an even higher chance then of filling the job yeah right but yeah, I just really love this approach and it's just so interesting that we've got to this point in the conversation and it's like the job briefing call and you're doing these things. And that's often where people start, if you get what I mean, right? That's where like I pitch Laura yeah. or I approach you and you're like, right, yeah, you've got some jobs. Okay, tell me about them. Da, da, da. Okay, yeah, so we will work on this for 20% and then it's like, boom, like I'm, I'm getting into it, right? But the journey that we just gone on, you're doing all this work and then it's like, okay, now we're going to work with you, but you've got an agreement in place. The fillability of the job is going to be a lot um, more higher. higher. Mm. Yeah. And then you can do even like you just said, like these extra things that, again, is going to create a great experience for the company and then also for the candidates that you're going out to market to. So I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Very welcome. Because I know I know that's going to be helpful <laughs> for a lot of people. So talk to me about I know right now you're you know, you're contributing, you know, a solid amount revenue wise still. I know you described yourself as, as a biller. Talk to me a bit about how is Laura developing her entrepreneurial mindset? Like what's top of mind for you as like a business owner right now when you're, you know, hopefully going to close out a really another strong third financial year? Like yeah. how are you thinking about, because, you know, the common term of like on the business, in the business. Yeah. How are you thinking about that? Because you're really 
involved right now. And I'm not saying that in like a, a negative way. It's it's where you're at and the business size. No, you're right. Where you're at. <laughs> Why would you not be contributing? But like, what's top of mind of like, how can you keep developing your business as a business owner? What have you got top of mind? Yeah, one of our core values here at FT is growth matters. And it's that mm. continuous learning and development. We always learn. Like nobody just stops learning. Well, maybe some people don't want to learn anymore. And that's why growth matters. But look, for me, it's listening to podcasts. You know, obviously I shared you were on my top three in Spotify. <laughs> um, Steve Bartlett was number one. So he picked you to the post. But <laughs> but I think it's listening to other entrepreneurs. I also have a business coach as well that I catch up with every couple of weeks or monthly and unpack the real nitty gritty business stuff that, you know, I'm equally learning along the way. You know, and I think that's just not being afraid to fail and fail really, really quick. <laughs> And learn mm. from it as, as humanly possible. And it's other things. It's, you know, it's just being in the industry. We probably spend more of the time learning about what our clients' challenges are and what's happening in their sectors and what's happening in their industries more than the recruitment sector in, in some ways. But I just think it's listening to other people, having those mentors, being open to new ideas. None of us know everything and mm. just being open-minded to that. But yeah, no, I'm always reading even though I'm dyslexic, I still try to read books. I listen to a ton of podcasts and then, yeah, listen to my coach most of the time as well. Yeah. This might not be something that you want to do, but like, how do you think about Laura becoming less reliant on? Like you've got these systems, you've got these processes. Is that something that you're thinking about? If you want a business that is like small, profitable, you're enjoying the journey, you have a great team and you like generating revenue and you like being hands-on, then absolutely, this is the great thing about having your own business. You can create it how you want. But is that something you are thinking about? How can Laura be less reliant on when it comes to, you know, generating revenue and these things or, or not really? Absolutely. Like I, being a million dollar biller sounds fantastic, but um, <laughs> kind of loses its uh, edge when you're the business owner as well. I joke with the team, I'm going to be the least commercially successful business in this business. And, but no, like all, jo all jokes aside, at the minute where we're at, we're at that scaling part where yes, I'm still billing, but that's not sustainable long-term. You know, I want to be focusing mm. more on winning our enterprise clients, elevating the brand further, working more with our digital marketing team looking to expand potentially in, in new locations. What does that look like? Different markets, obviously investing time and in finding the right recruiters, but you can only scale as quickly as your processes let you. And at this stage, whilst we've got amazing processes, it takes time to train and to coach new consultants coming in. We've got two really, really senior practitioners, which I absolutely adore, and they're pretty self-sufficient. And then we've got two other more junior consultants that are doing fantastic work, but it takes a lot of work and instilling those standards and even experienced recruiters coming in, they're like, God, you guys do a lot. Like, that's why I wanted to join. One of my team jokes, his previous agency was like working at high school and he's gone to university now with FT. So I think that takes time for me to be able to train them and coach them on new ways of doing things and elevating their own recruitment game to then they'll be the big billers and I'll just, I'll be growing the business and working on the business, which I still do, but probably not as much as I could be given I'm still billing. Yeah, but no, but that, that's great feedback to hear, right? from people that have worked in different environments and they join yours because outside looking in, you're a small growing business. But I think as we've all learned here, yeah, your systems and processes are of a business that's way ahead of that. And, you know, new tech and what does that mm. look like and, and, and invest in it and invest in the team so that they can optimize what they're doing and spend less time in the boring admin stuff that none of us really enjoy. <laughs> yeah.
Love it. <laughs> so it's exciting times. I think we're going to obviously won a lot of recent awards. Obviously saw your acceptance speech on, on LinkedIn. <laughs> the only person to <laughs> drop an F-bomb on there, which you shared with me. Let's round it out. What are you most excited for then? Obviously, we're, we're still very much in the third financial year. Looks like you're tracking for another year of solid growth, which is, again, sounds great, right? But I'm sure you're incredibly pleased with that. But like, what are you excited about then going into the next year? Is it just continuation of Melbourne domination? Like, what are we doing? Absolutely. All of Australia. Watch out. Watch <laughs> but no, I think, you know, in terms of growing the team, and it's not a vanity metric in terms of like, oh, we want to double in the next 12 to 18 months, which I think we're absolutely on track to do. But it's, it's doubling so we can double the value that we're adding to the industry. And one client, one candidate at a time, trying to elevate their experience and just showing what a credible career recruitment is. And, you know, being known for candidate and client experience. And I think that's really exciting that we're actually making a difference. And we're hearing from people come back, even people that, like, I love getting the emails from candidates going, Laura, I was working with Gabrielle. I didn't get that job. But the way she treated me the whole way through that process was second and none and that's from people that we don't even place stuff like that means the world to me so that's more, a true reflection more of, of like the experience yeah yeah and i don't uh, mind the amazing. award I love that. ceremony like i, I quite enjoy, <laughs> quite enjoy a nice award ceremony for some nice free champagne so um that's always nice <laughs> Love it. Well, look, Laura, like, honestly, I think you should be incredibly proud of everything that you built so far. Thank you. A uh, husband and wife team, which I always respect. I think that's <laughs> amazing. And also really appreciate you sharing, like we really went into detail on your process, how you approach your business. And that's a real competitive advantage. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you like sharing that. But most of all, as you said, yes, this can help your team as recruiters. But because of this, we're delivering a great service and a great experience and as you'll know i'm on a big mission myself of changing perception in the recruitment industry and i think yeah. if there's more organizations like yourself that are really trying to do everything they can to make sure even if people don't get the end outcome that they want yeah that they're still going what a fantastic experience so i think kudos to to you and really excited to see how ft continues to grow from the uk thank you kindly thank you for having <laughs> me <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. 
The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing. They're actively facing the challenges that your teams are. And a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly, and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.